the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. She I all that? And so much more. <laughs> Good afternoon to you. Welcome. Five after five. <coughs> Pardon me. On the, We're starting to get... Winter season, finally turned the heater on in the house a few days ago, so the air gets dried out, and, uh, you know, time to get ready for uh, cold and flu season, I guess. Anyway, welcome to the first day of November, officially. Good to have you with us on today's program. Lots of territory we are going to be covering. So uh, with that in mind, as the old saying goes, let's just get down to it, shall we? I want to lead with an issue that at some juncture in life, all of us will confront, will face, and that is midlife. For a lot of us, we, we kind of hit that point, and it might be for you where the kids are now just out of the house there's a sense of not only looking back at the years behind, sometimes the feeling of the best years behind. And as you look forward to the future, there's a number of options. Optimism might be one for you. But for a lot of women today, there's sort of a sense that, well, the best years are behind. The die is cast for the future, somewhat stuck, that it would be entirely impossible to engage in any kind of a change at this point that you've spent so much of your life doing versus dreaming and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that if you've been doing the job of a mother the job of the wife job of the homemaker those are all good things but does that oftentimes sell women short do we tend to say you're limited to those functions and no more or can midlife be a rekindling, a reimaging, a reinvention, so to speak, of one's life with gusto and enthusiasm in the years ahead? For many women, they have given of themselves, oftentimes um, unsung heroes and tirelessly so, in the early years of their life as a wife, as a mother. But now, is there an opportunity for it to become her time to break out of that mold and to move from just simple doing to actually dreaming. Well, my guest today, I think, is going to suggest that that is, in fact, indeed possible. If you've got the right kind of encouragement, the right kind of mindset, the right kind of heart. Best-selling author Dawn Damon joins us today to talk about her brand newly Bank brand new release book, The Making of a Bravehearted Woman, just released this first week here in November. And uh, Dawn, welcome and congratulations on the new book. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am very excited to get this book out and 
Yes, thank you for diving into this issue because, yeah, midlife crisis is not a diagnosable condition, but it is very real. <laughs> it is indeed, and I know that this has been a, a passion of yours because in some ways uh, that that sense of going from doing to dreaming once again, for you even at, at a point in life, uh, took place. And, and, and tell us kind of what led up to that and to the process of beginning to sort of um, reevaluate where you were. Again, I want to be careful. This is not to suggest that if you've been working as, uh, you know, a, a mother, a homemaker, a wife, maybe even with a career, although perhaps not of your own choice, that those years have been wasted by any means. But that midlife opportunity to sort of reevaluate and rekindle the future of one's life, I think is critically important. But for you, how did all that happen, Don? Yes, I still agree with everything that you're saying. And for me, you know, my midlife crisis kind of, if I can call it, that was hurled upon me when my husband at the time made a decision and these words that rocked my life, I'm leaving you, it's over. And after 28 years of marriage, I was 46 years old and I felt like I kind of just got hurled out or almost vomited up, if you will, and thrown into this midlife cauldron and I thought what do I do now because I was in the ministry so when the marriage ended so did my job my career my church family all of that it was like the slate got wiped clean and I had to reimagine I like all those rewords reinvent reimagine re evaluate my life and say, okay, God, you know, this didn't take you by surprise, but it sure has taken me by surprise. I was paralyzed for a while, but that's why I call it brave hearted because I knew like, oh, Craig, I was so afraid. I, I really was very afraid and I didn't know what to do. And I can just remember looking in the mirror saying, you've got to find your brave girlfriend or you're not going to make it you you gotta get a grip <laughs> and that anxiety and those i was having panic attacks and so for me i i really did start from scratch i was an empty nester and just by virtue of our age we 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 find ourselves in this place where our children are grown if we're a traditional woman who had our kids early you know 20s 30s our children are grown. They don't need us like they used to. They're maybe even out of the house, but our parents are elderly and maybe they need us for some help, but we're still working, but we're kind of maybe at the tail end and we're feeling like our significance is changing. And then we wonder, you know, about our contribution to the world and to our life. We have low energy. Our body is going crazy because we're in this thing called menopause. And um, it is just the perfect storm of so many things happening so yeah for me i decided all right this is the moment i have got to step out of this depression and i have to get a vision of what do i want to do with my life and where do i want to go and what does god have in store for me i didn't feel like i was done i felt like i had so much more to offer Yet I wasn't clear on my purpose. I wasn't clear on what my next would be. And that it was time for discovery. I had to figure those things out. 
And Don, you certainly had an open mind in terms of not looking at this as sort of, oh, well, you know, woe is me. Uh, I, I guess that's the end of my identity. And so I'm going to take my my waning years and, and go, you know, quietly uh, console myself in a corner somewhere. And I think for a lot of women, you know, there's that sense of the identity being dra- wrapped up in uh, who I am as the mother of X, Y, and Z, right? So all the kids and identity wrapped up in being the wife of husband so-and-so and and maybe even sprinkle in there a little bit of the work on the PTA and volunteering at school and whatever else it might be. And it's not to suggest at all that those are bad things or wrong things uh, to the contrary. But if that's singularly and solely the identity of a woman and then suddenly the kids one day grow up and say, well, mom, it's been great. Thanks so much for all the help, but uh, I'm off to college to get married, start a family of my own, whatever the case might be. Or in your case, where the husband gets up and says, yeah, it's been great, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, just about out of here. And now all of a sudden, the the center means of which that identity has lived and breathed and survived is stripped away from you. I would imagine for a lot of women, that's a very devastating moment where they either become completely paralyzed or turn to ways in which they anesthetize themselves, uh, meaning getting involved in either spending too much money, taking too much drugs, drinking too much booze or whatever the the, you know, the choice of of. Um, painkiller might be is just a matter of trying to cope, not really understanding that while the chapter is over with, that doesn't mean that the book, the final chapter in the book has been written, does it? You're so right. And I acknowledge any woman that's listening right now that those are very challenging midlife crosses that you bear and that you will cross roads that you will come to. Um, Research even shows us that about the age of 47 is typically one of the most unhappiest ages of people because we're in the depths of midlife and we are starting to feel all of these things that you just mentioned. But it is also a catalyst that if, if you could reframe it and say, I'm kind of at the end of this chapter, and I am at this place where it doesn't, what am I going to do now? It's, what do I get to do now? It Mm. can be a beautiful time, a magical time of reconnecting with, like I like to say, you know, some of the things that I loved and was passionate about, even as a young girl, the things that I believed in and wanted to do, but all went by the wayside. There's something about mid-age that there's a, a resurgence, resurgence of those things and you reconnect with your true values. And I call it, you know, that authenticity that we start to discover, like, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I don't have to get trapped in people pleasing anymore. There's a lot less people around me to please. So it gets to be about me now. I get to say, okay, and... And it's not for the lazy. It's not for the faint of heart. It is uh, some work to do. It is a self-discovery time. I, I lead a lot of women. I've done it myself through a midlife inventory and helping them prepare. All right. What do, what do you think 
is your future. Do you have a vision? Can you picture it? How do you want to show up in five years? Let's do an evaluation. Are you pleased with the trajectory that you're on with your physical and with your body and with your health? What about with your finances and what do you want to think about or what do you want to do with your education? What is your plan for continual personal growth and development? A lot of things that we don't really think about or talk about. And then all of a sudden, yeah, here we show up at midlife and it's actually time to get real serious about looking at that because we can have a magnificent midlife if we're willing to face it, become brave tackle it and find some answers to those things. And I think for a lot of women, too, you know, there's that sense that when they got married or began raising a family that they either put off so much, uh, they said, you know, I, I had dreams of doing this and doing that, but along came the family and out of necessity, I had to take time off of work. And then when I went back to work, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but what I had to do because we needed the income, so on and so forth. And then suddenly at midlife, you feel as if, well, I've sacrificed so much. I don't know that it's entirely appreciated, but I'm also not convinced that there's any way to go back to this, to look at it as not a sense of putting things off and closing that chapter as much as putting things on hold for a while. Today, a look at how to reimagine, reinvent oneself, so to speak, at midlife. With us today is best-selling author Dawn Damon. She's just newly released this week. Brand spank a new hot off the press, as they say, a new book called The Making of a Bravehearted Woman. We'll talk about that notion of putting things off versus just simply on hold and where to muster up that sense of being brave as you enter into this sometimes frightening new chapter of your life. That is our conversation with best-selling author Dawn Damon. The book, The Making of the Bravehearted Woman, newly released by Bold Vision Books. A timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For a lot of women in midlife, they look back at the decisions that they made along the way in getting married and raising a family as setting dreams, not necessarily on hold, but just turning them off. And now perhaps revisiting where life has been, an empty nest, maybe in the severe circumstances as our guest tonight Don Damon suggests even a surprise by a spouse who walks in one day with little warning and says yeah about this marriage thing I'm done and suddenly you're reevaluating everything and then wondering well to me I put them on hold back in the day but now rethinking about it where I'm at today I'm not as young as I was. I don't have the energy that I had. I don't feel as if there's as much time for me to be able to think about, my goodness, picking up where I left off when I was in my 20s, and now I'm in, insert age here. It's just too much. And so for a lot of women, they feel as if they've sort of resigned themselves to the fact that while they love their families, they made some huge sacrifices, and the sense of being able to reawaken their dream is just simply gone. But my guest suggesting no, just to the contrary. Don Damon, the author of a new book called The Making of a Bravehearted Woman, newly released by Bold Vision Books. And I guess the big key here in many respects, Don, is embedded right in the title of your new book, Bravehearted Woman. What exactly does it mean to be bravehearted? Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, brave, of course, for me is um, 
comes from that thought of the courage, the fortitude, the grit, the resilience, and all of that kind of muddled together to form this word brave that says it's beyond just um, a heroic action because I might even be afraid, but I am going to do a hard thing and I am going to grab this fortitude of bravery. Like I say often, look in the mirror, face truth and say, okay, this is what's happening. What do I want to do about it? For so long, I wasn't a brave person. I I had fears, and you can turn and run from fears. You can busy yourself. You can occupy yourself with other things. You can live in denial. But to be able to actually look at it for what it's worth, you know, Craig, I think about Abraham in the Bible. It talks about it in Romans 4. When, when the Bible is referring to Abraham, it says, without wavering in his faith, he faced the facts that his body was old and aging, and then it goes on. And I think that's brave right there. I'm not going to waver in my faith while at the same time I can face the facts. I am aging. I don't deny that. But my faith says God's not done with me. It's never too late. That's a myth. I still have contribution, and I have the opportunity to rediscover, and maybe even, it's not a rediscovery, it's for the first time in my life, discovering some hidden secret seeds that have yet to come to bloom, and it is for this time in my life that I will discover what I'm supposed to do in this season. Okay, God, what about my life now will bring you glory and bring me fulfillment and help me fulfill my divine purpose of changing the world. (laughs) What do you say to the woman who says, but Dawn, you know, a lot of water underneath this bridge now. And for me to kind of pick up where I left off, because there is a passion that I have in my heart that's been on hold all this time, but it's going to require me going back to school. And that just seems to be daunting. And, and you know, the energy level that I had at 2022 20, versus the energy level I have in my 50s, for example, is just not. Oh, pardon me. Didn't mean to. Sco- <laughs> that snuck up on me. <laughs> my apologies to all listeners. We just knocked all the dust out of your radio speakers. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize for sneezing your ear there. Um, but but for a woman who says, you know, I don't know that I just, I don't know that I have the stamina. What do you say to that woman? Well, I understand because fatigue and energy is part of midlife. We, we do start to recognize that, first of all, I would say let's back it up because that's probably an attitude as much as it is physical. And so... First of all, without a vision, people perish. So if you don't see anything in your future, there's nothing to get excited about. There's nothing to be energized about. There is no passion running through your blood, if you will. So I I first like to start with vision. Where would you like to see? Forget the energy right now. Just dream with me. Give yourself permission. One of the things that we do is we say, take a piece of paper, and I want you to write down at least 50 things that you'd still like to do, 50 things that you that you could dream of. 
And most of the women will get tired around 15, 20 things. So they really have to start digging deep. And usually we, when we notch it down a little bit deeper and get to 50, you're starting to really come up with the gold that's buried in them, their hills, if you will. <laughs> and um, But then we say, okay, now what would I have to do to make this thing true? A lot of times we have to look at the physical and say, all right, I have to start a plan. I have to start a regimen. If I'm gonna do that 5K, maybe that's her goal. I gotta start getting some muscle built here. I've gotta start working on this, this physical frame of mine. It is a myth that you cannot build muscle after 50. You can be in the best condition of your life. And I would really encourage that woman not to accept the limiting beliefs that we traditionally have held onto that we're in this downward slope. And especially with today's science, people are living well into their 80s and 90s. If you're 50 years old or 60, you still have 30 years of life. Can't just coast for 30 years. So if we start a regimen or a plan that gets you exercising, gets you moving, you have a picture of a preferred future in your mind of something you'd love to do or want to do, and you don't want to die with regrets, you will discover a fresh energy coming into your life as that vision and then the physical begin to, and then what happens, the emotional, some of that depression begins to peel away and that despondency and that apathy starts to leave because vision brings energy. And, you know, that's so key because oftentimes there is a sense of I don't have the energy because what I'm thinking about doing is just going to be too much. But I think the more that you, you get a chance to kind of let it ruminate and percolate in your mind and you begin to, to think about what the opposite side of the coin, what the final results might be if you do nothing, and that is to wind up with a life of regret. Again, I want to be cautious to not lead people to believe that, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting by any means that if a woman put a career on hold in order to raise a family that there's something wrong with her or that wasn't the right thing to do. Contraire, that's one of the most important duties on planet Earth. And, you know, any, anybody who has mother on her resume uh, in my book probably has has the necessary skill set to not only be, I don't know what, a, a Fortune 500 company manager when it comes to dealing with finances, a terrorist negotiator when it comes to dealing with a bunch of rabble-rousing kids. I mean, the skill set is just phenomenal. So you should never apologize for that. But I think then, too, that sense is you're suggesting that if, if you feel as if you're at a stage in life where it seems to be too much to think about starting fresh... Um, to be mindful of how you're going to feel if you don't make the effort and then you reach the end of life and it's just a stack of regrets and you say, you know, I raised a family, did the good thing and all of that is wonderful, but I feel as if the last 30 years of my life were just kind of moping around and uh, when you get 80 or 90, you're not going to be able to recapture that time. So this is really the time, isn't it? This is absolutely the time, and as we mentioned a moment ago, this is the catalyst now, and it is designed to be a launch pad for you to go into what is your next. And if that next is caring for grandchildren and that is fulfilling to you, then God bless you. Do that. But also, I would like to suggest to you that 
you open up your heart and think about, and these are the things that I've written in my book, think about what other things are available to you. A lot of times it's just because, as you've said earlier in the program, we, we just shut it down or we put it on, away, we put our dreams on a shelf and we think that was not for me for this life. But maybe it was is for you, but it was for now. Not then. I have a friend who didn't even know she could paint and started painting at age 50 and is an, a sought-after artist now and clamoring for art shows wherever she goes. People say, can you do one here? She didn't even know she had that gift inside of her. So I lay out the seven habits of a brave-hearted woman to help begin to cultivate what is my next for this season. And you let me know if we have time, but I can go through these. I'll tell you what, let's pause on that point because we're going to give the women in the audience an opportunity to grab a piece of paper and a notepad to take down some notes. And, of course, you can always check out uh, the the podcast after tonight's broadcast or even easier still, get a copy of Dawn Damon's new book. The Making of a Bravehearted Woman, a newly released, brand new, fresh off the press, just this very week, published by Bold Vision Books. Uh, Dom, we're going to ask you to kind of uh, put a, a dog ear the uh, the corner of the, 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 of the, the page there for a moment, and we'll come back to it right after a brief timeout. Visiting today with best-selling author Dawn Damon, a look at Making of a Bravehearted Woman, as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back with best-selling author Don Damon. Brand new release book here just uh, out on the bookstore shelves today, as a matter of fact. It's called The Making of a Bravehearted Woman, newly released by Bold Vision Books. We've been talking about uh, that sense of refiring, rekindling, reimagining one's life, uh, particularly at uh, at the, the, the midlife stage. And, uh, Don, you had a list of some important steps. Uh, let's walk through those, if we can please sure yes so part of the book talk i talk about the seven habits of a brave-hearted woman and i'll just briefly give them to you the first habit is that a brave-hearted woman lives by design and not by default and by that i mean developing a life plan if you think about it you wouldn't build a home without a blueprint if you did you know you might end up with the toilet in the living room or the front door opening into your main bedroom. So you wouldn't build a home without a blueprint. So why do we try to build a successful and fulfilling life without a blueprint, without an intentional plan? So I really encourage men and women, but be purposeful. Design your life in a way that moves you towards your goals and your desired outcomes because your life is far more valuable than anything else you can build. So why do we try to wing it? And I really believe we're meant to partner with God in co-creating and designing our life. And sometimes we don't do that because you know what? It takes intentionality. And by that, I, I mean, Craig, you know, we sit with our journal, we talk to God, we pray, we listen, we commune, we write what we hear, we pray, we plan, and we cannot be a cognitive miser, as Tony Robbins says, when it comes to discerning our life. And so let's not accept mental laziness, but but discerning. So that's the first one. Live by design and not by default. And 
Then the second habit of a brave woman is, again, to set those specific goals. And setting goals is the first step in turning the invisible into the visible. Because once you have a clear vision and a blueprint, now you break it down. You asked a, a little while ago, it seems overwhelming. It seems so much. And women might think, I'm too tired. I can't do that. But if you break it down into little baby steps, little incremental goals that you reach one at a time, before you know it, you'll look back this time next year and you'll say, wow, look at where I'm at. Look at the progress I've made. So set those specific goals, make them smart, put deadlines to them, and you will discover that you are living and reaching fulfillment in your life. And then I really believe the third habit practice positive self-talk i say you can't have a million dollar confidence with an impoverished vocabulary so if you want to feel like a brave-hearted woman then you got to rid yourself of the negative self-deprecating words that cascade out of your mouth flow back into your ears and then make you feel depressed and anxious and sad it's impossible to feel good about yourself and live your best life if um you don't talk god's life-giving words out of your mouth there's no way to have a good self-esteem and reach your dreams so i really encourage us to foster that habit of that that positive life-giving self-talk that proverbs 18 21 talks about and then four, invest in yourself. And this is where I want to get on some women right now. We don't like spending money or investing in ourselves. You know that, Craig? Women, we will pay for kids to do stuff and spouses to do stuff and even for friends. But the women have such a hard time investing in their self. They feel like it's selfish. I'm like, no, you, you have to make some investments in you, in your future and it's not selfish it's self-care it's self-worth saying i am a worthy investment i'm going to take that class i'm going to i'm going to do those dance lessons i'm going to take that foreign language i'm going to take that trip or travel or get my education start my own company and five fifth habit be a lifelong learner um, you remember that slogan many years ago, like the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And yet so many of us do. And so many of us waste the potential of our mind. So you, there is no expiration date on your dreams. There's no expiration date on your learning. So keep growing, keep stretching, keep studying. And you will discover that even through education and growing and learning, new opportunities will come to you. You could find yourself in a midst of a new career, purpose, or or interest that you had no idea was there. And, and you know, let me so, let me just interject on that. Yes. It is so easy today. You know, in the old days, going back to college or university, buying a bunch of expensive books. But today, practically any topic on planet Earth, you can yeah. get a real deep education. Just go to YouTube. And this is not an ad for YouTube. But there's so much that's available online where you can immerse yourself. You can pause when you need to pause. And you can absorb all that information that the ability to be a successful, lifelong learner is easier today than perhaps ever before. You're so right. You can pursue anything that you desire. 
and you are responsible for the quality of your life. So don't just lay back and coast down the lazy river. You know, you've got more in you. It's um, Benjamin Franklin. He says, most people diet 25, but are not buried until 75. It's like, ah. Oh. Don't let that be true of you. Don't die. Don't become stagnant. Don't stop dreaming. You've got to keep living because there's so much joy in that. And I believe we're going to be a steward. We are. We were going to be responsible and answer to what did we do with this one life that God gave us, which goes nicely into and number six. The habit is to live with gratitude and generosity. Yeah, I have a little piece of artwork in my office that says a grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. And so when I'm tempted to complain or get disgruntled, I just think, okay, what? I'm about to attract more of this in my life. Do I want to attract more to complain about? Or do I want to say, thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful because that's what I want to attract in my life. So I, I want to cultivate that habit of gratitude and generosity because generosity is also a magnet for miracles. And then finally, the the last habit is seize the morning with a daily routine. And John Maxwell is the one who said that the secret to your success is found in something you do every morning. And I believe in the power of a morning routine, which are a, a little series of things that rituals, if you will, that I do every morning that help me focus and get the intentions for my day. So we circle all the way back up to number one because I'm living by design, not by default. And I set that kind of my my rudder for my ship, if you will, every morning. And I take excellent care on the front end of my day so that the rest of my day will pretty much take care of itself. Setting, setting the day up for success, and, and that really is the key in, in so many ways. And, and those habits, those routines can also help to, to bring a sense of structure in what you're doing, particularly as you're sort of rekindling, refiring your life. Um, a lot of folks, as they're trying to kind of find their way, might accidentally become victims of chaos and disorder because they're trying to figure too many things out at once and keep all the plates spinning at the same time, like on the Ed Sullivan Show. <laughs> well, there's a dated reference, but you get the sense that if you have that morning routine, and for the believer, it's going to include some time in the Word, some time in prayer, maybe some time getting some exercise, all of those those good, healthy habits can really set up the entire day for success. If you've just dialed by, we're visiting today with best-selling author Dawn Damon. She's got a brand new book out just released this week, in fact, called The Making of a Bravehearted Woman published by Bold Vision Books. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation with Don Damon as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. One of the challenges, of course, for uh, many who reach midlife and begin to reevaluate and consider what the next years ahead can and could look like is the inability to change one's story. And by that I mean oftentimes you have been the recipient of so many life-limiting messages. Part of it is the culture, part of it may be your family of origin, part of it may be the person you married. Uh, 
sharing a lot of messages of you can't, you shouldn't, it's too risky, it's too difficult, too late. All of those narratives that, uh, if, if bought into, can literally be crippling. We're visiting today with Dawn Damon. Her new book called The Making of a Bravehearted Woman. And I'm curious, Dawn, you, you mentioned in a list of seven, um, one of the, the keys in there of practicing positive self-talk. And I would imagine a big part of that is to begin to sort of reprogram the way you see yourself in relationship to your vision, your relationship to God even, by changing a lot of those negative limiting um, narratives to ones that are encouraging and uplifting and and exhorting, but how do you go about successfully doing that, especially when you've been a woman that perhaps has been on the receiving side of those negative messages for years, decades? I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's not impossible. It is quite, um, you can you can change your vocabulary, but it's going to take intentionality and it's going to take being a student of yourself, changing the way not only you speak, but out of the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks. So what is the mindset? And I talk a lot about this in the book. Do you have a mindset of an overcomer or are you trapped in victimhood? Are you trapped in a scarcity mindset? Back to here again with the seven, but I give seven mindsets in the book. You'll have to get it and read that. But one of the positive mindsets is that I can grow, I can change. That's called a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. And I also talk about the genius mindset over the victim mindset, which is just saying, I am capable. I am responsible, and I don't want to live the rest of my life as that victim. So if we can change your identity or at least reveal to you, this is who God says about you, can you start identifying some of those limiting beliefs that are not in harmony with who God says you are? Now, I know you might think you have evidence. You look around and you say, well, I didn't do this and I haven't become that and I never did this. We can find all the negative evidence, but what about the evidence in God's word? Will you take it by faith and believe this is who God says you are? And so we can change the, the way we think about ourselves and begin to accept our God-given identity. And we can start changing the way we speak about ourselves. And instead of pulling up from that victim vocabulary or that victim dictionary, we're going to start a whole new vocabulary from God's word, God's dictionary, speaking those words about us that he says is true of us. I'm curious along with that. I mean, certainly there's the narrative that the script, so to speak, that runs in our minds. But then, too, oftentimes we might have a group of associates, friends, could be even family members, uh, that instead of being in our cheering section are instead in Mm -hmm. our discouragement section. Um, Do you also Mm -hmm. sometimes need to reevaluate? And again, I want to choose my words wisely. I'm not suggesting that you shut out all your friends. But you may have to sort of restructure the amount of time that you spend if a lot of them tend to be extremely on the negative side. Is that is that an accurate observation? 
Yeah, I think it's really true. I forget who it was that said you're the sum total of the five friends that you hang around. Well, if you've got a bunch of friends who are naysayers um, or someone in your life that is very negative, um, I have a relationship that it, I, I I can feel that negativity, and at times I have to put a boundary there and say, okay, I can't I can't do anymore here because this is getting on me. It feels like pig pig pen's blanket, you know, in the <laughs> peanuts cartoon. Like, so you have to get around people who have positive, well guarded, resilient mindsets that can pour into you and and speak the word, whatever's true and honorable and excellent. And that's the grit that we need to have. Um, and and again, to guard your heart and guard your mind. And you might have to say, I love you, depending on who it is. Now, if you have a spouse, you have a challenge on your hands. But there again, you don't just accept status quo. You create a revolution and say, you know what? This is no longer acceptable to me. I'm guarding my heart and my mind. God says that I am acceptable in his sight his love his chosen treasure you can't talk to me like that now i know that i probably just dropped a bomb right there but <laughs> uh, well, i want to encourage yeah you have to surround yourself with people who will speak at what i said it a moment ago life-giving words over you yeah, and I think that's also the notion of oftentimes the need to set boundaries, uh, that you may have a friend, the family member that you, you adore and love with the totality of your heart, but if they are consistently negative, dragging you down, um, or, uh, you know, extremely discouraging, um, you may have to set up certain boundaries so that they're not capable of completely overtaking your life. You absolutely have to do, and you you have to know that that is a loving thing to do, because with boundaries, then what it does is, again, forces or puts some pressure on the individual to say, oh, wow, um, I'm, I'm facing some consequences here, and this kind of hurts, and I guess I better reevaluate how I'm speaking or what I'm saying. And maybe it's just a net, maybe they have just a really negative habit that they're complainers and negativity and, you know, glasses half empty kind of people. And with some help, perhaps they can come into some revelation of like, ooh, that's an area. But regardless of what they choose to do, you still have control over what you allow into your heart, in your mind, and you have its righteousness to say, no, you that is not acceptable to me and I can't allow it. And, and that's a loving thing to do for you and for them, even though it may feel difficult to do, that's where you have to be brave and do the hard things so that you can flourish. Final question, Dawn, tonight for the woman eavesdropping on our conversation who says, I get exactly what you've been saying and I want to get started. I'm just not sure where and how to take the first step. To that woman, what do you say? Oh, well, the first step is to get my book and read it because <laughs> I lay it all out there. Um, the second thing that I would say is I'm such a believer, Craig, in grabbing a journal and sitting quietly and journal around a question. God wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you a download from heaven. And there's two things I would say to you. Know this, that God is for you 
and you are worthy of living the life of your dreams, Father has something amazing for you. And so you will be unstoppable if you can grab a hold of those truths. And you'll just watch your confidence begin to grow as you start to hear from God. Journal that, write that down. Um, I love this quote, too, from Michelangelo. He said, I saw an angel in the marble slab and I carved it until I set her free. Maybe this is a season of your life where you feel like it's lost, but maybe it's the Holy Spirit carving away the excess of your life to set you free to live the greatest significant season now of your life, midlife. That's what I'd encourage you to do. It's a look at Making of a Brave-Hearted Woman, the new book released by Bold Vision, available through bookstores around the Bay Area, as well as through Amazon.com. Information available, too, at Dawn's website, thebravehearteddwoman.com. That's thebravehearteddwoman.com. Dawn, thanks again so much for spending time with us today, and congratulations on the new book. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.